It's Golden Gossip with your fabulous host, me, Frank Golden. We're talking about surrogacy, IVF, and making babies. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Golden Gossip. I am joined today in our studio with Erica. Hi, Erica. Hi, Frank. Hello, everyone. So fantastic. I'm excited to be back with all of you. Um, Today, we are going to be talking about choosing an egg donor. Um, And this is, of course, from my perspective as a gay intended father, having gone through the process. And so I'm going to share with you some um, tips and some of the things that Adam and I looked for when selecting an egg donor. Um, So the first thing is to know egg donors have a certain list of requirements. So when you enter the process, you don't have to kind of come up with those on your own. The fertility clinic is usually pretty strict. Um, because they want the egg retrieval to obviously yield as many eggs as possible, and they want your donor to be very healthy. So some of the requirements include um, a candidate who's between the ages of 21 and 32. I am noticing many agencies and clinics now have a cap of 28. A low BMI, um, usually that's under 30. No reproductive health issues. Um, They need to pass a psychological assessment, just as your surrogate would. um, And they need to be willing to obviously take the injectable medication. So there are some set requirements. Um, In addition to that, when they visit the fertility clinic, they will undergo an entire examination of their reproductive organs. They'll have blood work done and all of that. So your reproductive endocrinologist will make sure that, medically speaking, they are in tip-top shape and very fertile for your egg retrieval and for your journey. Now, many of you listening are going to be asking yourselves, um, so what requirements, what are the things that we should look for? I often get asked this by intended parents that reach out. So I am going to go through some of the things that I looked for. Um, Do you have any questions before I get started, Erica? So correct me if I'm wrong. You can pick your egg donor and then they undergo the process of retrieving eggs can you also just pick out eggs (laughs) that sounds weird but instead of like the actual like she's already done the process and they're frozen you can work okay you can there are egg donation banks egg donor banks which are frozen eggs in a bank you can go through donor profiles and those eggs are already frozen i just as a matter of personal preference i typically recommend that you select an egg donor and go through what sh- what is known as a fresh cycle um, just because from what I've seen in, in the years being in the industry those cycles tend to yield better results and egg freezing is still a relatively new procedure in the grand scheme of things the technology is definitely coming a long way and it's definitely taking a root especially with the millennial generation now wanting to freeze eggs and then work on their career and not worry about their fertility so it's definitely something that's up and coming but i'm kind of old school you know in terms of the egg donation process so that's what adam and i did we went through looked at donor profiles and then she went in and did a fresh cycle for us so that's yeah that's a really great great question so then those requirements are pretty much the same then i would imagine it's about the health of the egg so it doesn't Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, some of the things that we looked for, there are, you know, education, beauty, and then health and family history. Those would be the four main categories. And when you're going through and selecting an egg donor, 
every agency and fertility clinic that you're working with is going to furnish you with a profile which outlines the person's education history, um, their own personal health. Usually it will talk about all of their living relatives, even relatives that aren't living, and then what did they, what was the cause of death, so that you can see, you know, is there cancer in the family? How old did her grandparents live? Because longevity might be a factor that you place a great emphasis on when making that decision. You might want a, a donor who has you know, a better longevity in, in her family genes. So that's also a factor. For Adam and I, and then aside from all of that, it's the photos will be in there too. So you'll definitely get to see what she looks like. Right. Um, for Adam and I, we wanted someone who, first and foremost, was very healthy herself. And then someone who, not only were they healthy, but their family was very healthy. So again, we looked for things like, you know, cancer, um, mental health, was there mental health issues? Because that's very important too. And oftentimes, you know, gets glossed over, um, you know, thyroid issues, reproductive issues. We just looked for anything that could be a red flag. Um, so we definitely wanted someone who didn't have any of that in their family history. And then aside from the health factor, our second, um, piece of criteria that was the most important was beauty. We wanted someone who looked gorgeous and because the two of us were very cognizant of the fact that we're mixing our our dna with this person and potentially not always but our child could look like you know this with blue eyes and you know rusty blonde hair you know so we just um we wanted someone healthy and then we definitely looked at the beauty factor just because it is something that was important to us now for some of you out there you know, the way your child looks might not be something that's very important to you. You might just want a healthy donor and then a donor that, you know, was very smart, who was college educated, um, very great scores, um, you know, SAT scores. Sometimes you'll see that kind of thing in a profile oh, sure. in which college they went to um, sometimes. Well, like you're basically, you know, in a sense, like hand selecting your child's DNA makeup. Um, Got to be a lot of pressure. Now that you're, you know, talking about it like this, like it you're is. picking somebody that your child will be genetically related to health issues. Mental health is a it, great point you brought mental up. Mental health is huge. I bet that gets yeah. skipped over a lot. It really does. Um, you know, and my, my biggest piece of advice would be if you have those four categories of education, beauty, personal health, and family history and health, I would look at those categories and then say to yourself, what is... Or what are the two most important out of those? Because if you're sitting there placing 110% emphasis on every category and you're trying to go through 50 or 100 profiles with those four things in mind, for each profile, you can really drive yourself crazy um, because you might find a handful of donors that meet all of those criteria and then you really don't know what to place emphasis on at that point and you're just left scratching your head and then and then sometimes what happens is by the time you make a selection the donor's no longer available because oftentimes those standout you know donors are not in the database for too long someone else could go ahead and select them so time's always a factor too by the way so but those are the items that more times than not the intended parents are looking at and then again for adam and i it was someone who looked the part in terms of what we had in our head and then the health factor was huge so it it seems like a a, probably some good advice you'd offer intended parents that they need to sit down before maybe even starting to look 
um, to get a feel for exactly what they're looking for, which category they are prioritizing the most, and what their deal breakers are, and what they're willing to overlook. Because like you said, you could drive yourself crazy looking through all of the profiles, trying to find your perfect match, um, like some kind of intense dating site or something. You can. <laughs> it. It's, you know, it's a lot for someone to sit and think about. And you would think, oh, well, you know, especially in situations where there's two intended parents, there's two of them, they'll figure it out. It's no, people get a lot of anxiety around this topic and they just, they don't know which direction to go in. So I like to take everything that's very complicated and just break it down in the most simplistic terms possible for everyone. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that, that piece of advice is usually pretty helpful. Um, so another thing to look at when selecting an egg donor, aside from the requirements that the clinic has, the four categories that I mentioned that you might want to consider when selecting a donor, there are different types of egg donation arrangements, which that factor is very key too. So there are um, three different types of arrangements. There's a known donation, a semi-known donation, and then a completely anonymous egg donation. For a known donation, full contact information is usually exchanged between the intended parents and the egg donor so that a relationship can be established. In that case, um, oftentimes intended parents and egg donors will go ahead and have like a match call or they'll talk to one another before she goes in and does the retrieval. There is a relationship component that is built. Okay, With a semi-known donation, Usually it's just first names and then maybe the area of residence. So it's very limited, but you do have some sort of identifying information. And then completely anonymous is exactly the way it sounds. You don't have her name. You don't know where she comes from. It's, you know, made that way so that you don't have those identifiers in order to essentially track her down, right? You, like, just see her profile, and I imagine a picture still, though, right? But you just don't know who that picture is. Correct. Okay. When um, Adam and I went through the process, we initially selected an anonymous donation. and But we did have it in our contract that if we ever needed to get in contact with the donor, that through the agency they could reach out to her. For instance, if one of our children had a health issue come up and we needed to know something about her past as a, you know, when she was a child, did she have this issue or whatnot, we could reach out to the agency. They said they would always be in contact with her so that they could relay that information back to us if need be. Got it. So if you're out there and you're considering an anonymous arrangement, that's completely fine. But if I were you, I would just make sure that the agency or the fertility clinic that you're going through does maintain those records in a way that if you you know do for some reason need to get in touch with that donor or find something out, you can through them get that information. So okay, interesting. And so, yeah. so then I guess I'm sorry. I think you yeah. have like surrogacy and contracts. Is this similar to like a surrogacy contract? The contract you make with an egg donor, like it is before they go through the procedure or start taking the meds. It, it is same cool. in same steps essentially. So you would select an egg donor. She would go in for an in-person screening with the reproductive endocrinologist. If everything looks good, you would enter into the legal phase. Got it. And going through a legal contract with an egg donor is typically a lot easier than going through with a surrogate because the time frame commitment is less. So the contracts are sure. usually, you know, a quarter of the size. Got you know, it. We're talking like 15 pages, not 50. So it's, it's different. Um, 
And so I would think about, you know, what type of arrangement you would like in terms of egg donation. Um, one thing that I will say for other surrogacy agencies listening out there is that if you have anonymous egg donors in your program, that's great, but you need to make sure that your egg donors are not members of your Facebook group, that they are not following your social media, and maybe it's something that you should ask or have in your retainer agreement with them. And the reason why I mention this is because when we went through the, the journey the first time, we had selected an anonymous egg donor. And our surrogate at the time was able to determine who our egg donor was based on social media posts that she oh, found. Oh, my goodness. Because the donor was following the surrogacy agency. And wow. she popped up in the news feed. So the surrogate was easily able to put together, based on the timeline and location, who our egg donor was. So, And then she inadvertently relayed that information back to us. And Adam and I were suddenly thrust into, now we know who our egg donor is, mid-journey. So for agencies out there listening, with all of the you know, advent of social media kind of consuming our lives and how everything gets shared and how Facebook does suggested friends and... You really need to be cognizant of the anonymous egg donation factor and how sensitive that is and how social media can play a huge role in disseminating information that you might not want to be made available. So that is a, just a, a key tip out there if you're running an egg donation program. Can I ask you one more question? Yeah. So is it the choice of the egg donor or more so the choice of the intended parent about being anonymous? So you went through a pool of women who chose to be anonymous? Correct. Okay. So when intended parents begin the egg donation search, one of the things that your case coordinator is going to ask you or talk with you about is what type of arrangement you would be looking for. So that if you come back and say, well, we just want to stay anonymous, they are going to only show you profiles of women who also want to only be anonymous. Got it. Yes. That way you're only matched with people of like-minded, you know, scenario in terms of what they expect out of, out of that, um, journey. But those would be, um, a few of the things to consider, you know, if you went, um, through egg donation and you wanted a relationship with your egg donor, um, you really need to consider the relationship aspect of it and then go and be known to the known egg donation arrangement and that's completely fine there is no right or wrong way to go about egg donation i think for adam and i we we were told that if we went through egg donation and we did it known we would kind of have to slow things down a little and have potentially like a matching call with her and maybe a conference call and get to know her and we were just kind of in a rush, like, bam, 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 let's get everything sure. done. And so we kind of looked at each other and we were like, eh, we can just go anonymous. Like, that's fine. We don't we don't really need any of that. Um, in retrospect, after having to go through the second journey, um, and then we were able to obtain her information via the surrogate, and we reached out. We're actually kind of glad that we had a chance to meet her the second time around when we went through the second egg retrieval because she was just a ball full of energy, thoughtful, well-spoken, talented, things that, yes, were in the profile, but you wouldn't necessarily be able to put all those pieces together without actually speaking with her in person. Definitely. So that was amazing. And then when she came up from Florida, we got to meet 
her mom and her little girl yeah it was it was amazing so consider again what kind of relationship you'd like with your potential egg donor and then let that kind of guide which type of egg donation you decide um, to go about and again there's no right way or wrong way it's whatever works best for you some of our listeners probably know this but uh, maybe you can reiterate it for everyone else Mm -hmm. so your first uh journey with you know the egg donor and everything so that was an anonymous situation mm-hmm. um you accidentally found out who she was uh through social media which yeah that's crazy it was, it was crazy yeah um, but also a blessing because then you were able to reach out to, to her to ask her for more eggs for your second journey so that your two children are biologically related correct yeah she was like happy with that and she was so awesome. we we initiated it through the surrogate because our surrogate is just kind of the social butterfly that she is reached out and, you know, asked her if she wouldn't mind doing an information exchange with us. And she said, Oh, of course, absolutely. And we reached out to her and she was just really great. And one of the things that really stood out to me is that our surrogate had actually sent us screen captures of, of the egg donor social media post when she was going through the retrieval and she actually had some very heartwarming things to say about what she was doing. Wow. So that spoke volumes to me. I remember, I'll never forget, I was in the grocery store parking lot when I got the text from our surrogate with the screen capture of, oh my goodness, I think I found your, your egg donor with the image. And I, my heart just exploded. I was like, oh my goodness, she's amazing. This is who we decided to choose to combine our DNA with. And I was just... It just, you know, she really revealed who she was as a person in that post. And um, she was really happy about what she was doing. And she it didn't seem like she was just doing it for the finances. And so it was it was heartwarming. So I was, I was glad that that happened. And so for sure, um, when it came time um, to embark on a second journey and, you know, at that point we needed more eggs, I was definitely I jumped all over that. And I was like, yes, you know, reach out, see if she would like to exchange info with us and. And things kind of blossomed in that way. And now we have a really great relationship with her. So we refer to um, we refer to her as our, and I won't say her name on the podcast. I might have in the past, but I don't know if, you know, people out there listening. But we, our daughter does know her as our special friend, so-and-so. That's so cool. So she doesn't quite have the pieces together yet that that's an egg donor. Sophia will be the first to tell you, though, I don't have a mommy. I have two daddies. Right. (laughs) So she clearly knows, uh, you know, one day when she meets her donor, and I'm sure she'll be very curious like Adam, and she'll want to meet her donor, but she's not confused. She knows that she has no mommy, but she is going to know where the other part of her DNA comes from. And she's going to be very excited about that. Um, But we have that really great relationship with her now. We send photos back and forth. She sends photos of her children to us, and we send her photos of Sophia and Silas, and we have this really great camaraderie. So, you know, something definitely something for intended parents to think about um, when you're searching for an egg donor. Even if you decide to go the anonymous route, definitely ask your agency or fertility clinic if it's important to you, if that donor is going to consider doing another egg retrieval in the future for you if need be because that may not always play out in your favor for instance if it's a gay couple and you have um just for you know for sake of easy numbers here say you retrieve 20 eggs you fertilize 10 with partner a's dna and then you fertilize another 10 with partner b's dna 
and only you only get you know four embryos that make it to to a day five and test genetically normal from partner a partner b winds up with you know a majority of theirs maybe they wind up with eight genetically normal embryos at the end of the day none of partner a's embryos work partner b's embryos work and you end up with one healthy child but partner a was kind of left in the dust which is kind of what happened you're to telling me. your story yeah right so but then at the end of the day you know that partner a still wants a genetically related child that is also related to the first child the siblings right the sibling factor you want to make sure that if you're in a scenario like that where you don't feel that you wound up with what I say is if you don't have at least three or four genetically tested embryos when you embark on your journey and the sibling factor is important to you, immediately ask the egg donor if she would be willing to undergo a second retrieval for you because and then and do it right away while she's still thinking about it, while it's still fresh in her mind, while, while she's still potentially willing to do it just so that you have that extra arsenal of embryos just in case. Um, so that's definitely something to consider. And if you, if you end up not doing that, at least, like I said, you know, in the beginning, make sure that the egg donor or find out if she's willing to do a subsequent retrieval in the future. So I know there's a lot of different things that, that I've thrown at, at you out there listening, but again, those are some things that Adam and I thought were really important. I think when uh, people start a surrogacy journey, there's so much going on with that, and they're so focused on that, they forget that this first step is really important. Golden surrogacy focuses primarily on surrogacy, and for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because as you've all heard, uh, egg donation is a huge process, and you know Frank decided that it requires a complete focus, and it does. Um, not to say that agencies who offer egg donation and surrogacy are doing the wrong thing, it's just... A whole other process. So when intended parents come to Golden Surrogacy, should they already have got their egg donor? Something is that something you can help them through? Because it's a whole other process, as you can tell. It yes, and that's a really great question. So we offer one of two solutions. Okay, the first being that you would check with your fertility clinic and see if they have an in-house egg donation program. Typically, I recommend that as a first choice just because those donors have usually been examined by the reproductive endocrinologist. They're at the clinic in person already, so we really know that those candidates probably have a a higher likelihood of success. However, that said, fertility clinics are not, you know, in the egg donation business, so their candidate selection, their pool may not be as robust as what you would like. If you are the type of person or couple that really would like to go through 50 or 100 or more profiles to find the right one, going the fertility clinic route may not work for you. If that's the case, we do work with a company on the West Coast, which is, I always say this in my consultations and it's so true, but they're kind of like the kayak service of egg donation. And they will hold your hand every step of the way. They partner with all of the main egg donation agencies in the country. They have a really good network. They will take down all of your requirements and conduct really kind of a nationwide customized search for you. So the profiles that they present are very custom tailored to what you're looking for. And it really saves you a lot of time and frustration. Whereas if you select an egg donation agency, one egg donation agency, and you pay them a small fee to look at their database, 
you are kind of limited to that one company's scope and reach, the scope and reach of whatever their marketing budget was for that month or that year to find those egg donors. Whereas if you go with the company that we recommend, it's typically, you know, a nationwide kind of a search. So the selection is usually better. And I'm not saying one way is right and one way is wrong. Those are just the two options that we present. And going back to your first question, you absolutely do not need to have any of that figured out when you come to Golden Surrogacy. We will walk you through all of that um, over the consultation that we have, and we will hold your hand every step of the way. Even if you do not have a fertility clinic selected yet, we'd be more than happy to walk you through that process as well. We really act as your entire case management experience. So definitely um, come to us with your questions. We'll help you, you know, with the egg donation piece and, and, and certainly finding your surrogate. So good question. Well, everyone, I, you know, I really think I went through, um, how to choose an egg donor, certainly providing you tips to choosing an egg donor. Um, And just to recap, when you're going through those profiles, the four categories that I always say to look at, obviously education, beauty, physical appearance, health, and then family history. Those are the four main ones. Usually try to hone in on just two so that you don't drive yourself crazy. Um, And the medical requirements are what they are set by the fertility clinic. So you really can take a lot of that off your plate. Um, But when you go with Golden Surrogacy, again, we'll walk you through that. And I'm more than happy to share my personal experience with you um, as you're going through that and then selecting your what type of arrangement you would like with your egg donor. So a lot of fascinating things that we discussed today. Um, I'm really excited for all of you who are out there listening to this podcast, considering surrogacy and then, you know, listening to this to decide what kind of egg donor or what are the tips for choosing an egg donor. So very, very exciting. Thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. And as a reminder, please follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. It's at Golden Surrogacy, except Instagram, which is golden underscore surrogacy. And if you're sharing our content, please use the hashtag Golden Gossip. Thank you so much. And thank you, Erica, for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this podcast segment of Golden Gossip. This is Frank Golden reminding you that everyone deserves a family.